Hello, everyone. I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Well, Queens, we are really excited to have Dr. Jen Walter today in studio. What a timely topic with everything that's going on with NCAA women's basketball. This lady was such a trailblazer for women in sport, specifically football. So I kind of want to start with, with there. What attracted you to the game of football? You know, I... I grew up in Vero Beach, Florida, and football is like a way of life, right? (laughs) Like the whole town shuts down. And I remember as a kid looking down at the field and thinking that the players looked like real life superheroes. Mm -hmm. It was really as simple as that. And yet it was also one of the first places in the world that I remember somebody telling me there was a difference between what girls were allowed to do and what boys were. So it's kind of like I had a crush on this sport from afar but didn't get to play until I was 22 years old. So once I finally got to play, I was like, oh, this is it, right? Like, this is what I meant to do. I loved it. I knew it from a a young age. And yet now I have the chance to do it and committed, gosh, the past 20 some odd years of my life doing it. At 22, who was supporting this kind of crush from afar that you were getting into and who was like, what are you doing? Are you, <laughs> what are you crazy? Like, what did that look like for you during that time? You know, it's interesting. I, I mean, I played rugby in college, you know, so I learned how to tackle with no pads and no helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember when I told my parents I was going to play football, my mom kind of freaked out. And my dad was like, Nancy, she's going to have a helmet. This is good. And even better. (laughs) So Yeah, like, I mean, though it was a little bit of a leap, they were also used to me being an athlete and pursuing these things to the fullest. And my parents have never been ones to really say, you can't do this. They're just more of like, okay, it's on you. And if you're going to do it, do it well. And so, you know, I had the support of my family, although, of course, they thought it was a little crazy, but they're not really (laughs) judgy, you know that we all have our own lives. Of course, everybody from the rugby community was not surprised. Mm-hmm. My business job was not happy. They were afraid I would mess up my pretty face. And so oh. I so politically correctly told them where they could take their job. <laughs> good, good for you. And left, absolutely left the my first job, which was I was a headhunter out of college. Funny, I went on to play linebackers. So not that different, just, you know, <laughs> same mentality, different field, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a crazy space for a woman because there, there was no money attached. So saying that this was going to be, you know, my, my real hustle, my dream, my drive was outside of the box. And yet I wanted to find ways that I could put that first. 
So I had first been certified to teach aerobics when I was in high school and realized that if I got certified to personal train, I could do all of the work that I needed to do to be one of the best in the world, be in an environment that had a schedule that I could set around my practice schedule and really craft what I needed to do every day to, you know, be able to financially afford it and to physically excel. Mm -hmm. So I just really re-engineered my life to be able to say, I'm going to be a football player, regardless of what the, you know, what that means in terms of finances. That really has to take some bravery Mm -hmm. and just that vulnerability of like, I'm going to keep taking these steps forward to doing something I'm passionate about. And then how do I, you know, pay rent, right? Right. (laughs) And so that, that must have been really special, you know, during the Super Bowl with, you know, watching Sarah, the referee, Mm -hmm. and then thinking about now, I don't know how many women are in roles in coaching, athletic training, et cetera. But you were really a trailblazer for that. So I, I'm i curious, what is your crystal one? How did that feel for you looking at that? And then what does your crystal ball look like for women within football? You know, I, I have a daughter who's 11 and her way to connect with her daddy is to watch football. Mm-hmm. So I love it when she starts to open her mouth around football and they kind of dismiss her. And I'm like, stand back. This kid knows what she's talking about. And then she'll start in and they're like, how do you know all this when you're an 11-year-old girl? And I'm just like, God, when are we going to get past the fact that women like football and can mm-hmm. understand football just like a man? Yeah, and actually, women love strategy. So mm-hmm. I always say that football is full contact chess. And the second <laughs> I say that, women are like, oh, I'm interested. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you were never given that insight before, were you? And they're like, no. Because if you didn't play it, it looks like relatively organized chaos sometimes just chaos. (laughs) And yet if you played it, you know, each play is a precisely choreographed dance, where the offense and the defense have to read off each other. And yet, still, all 11 players have to move in concert, or the play will break down. Then women go, wait, what? (laughs) Right? And I'm like, yeah, 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 there's a whole lot more to it. But if you never got taught that, then you miss a lot of the beauty of the game. And I think that's one of the things that we have to change, right? Like, let's bring them in and teach the game because just like any other game, there are girls that are going to like it. There are guys that are going to like it. It's just humans that are going to like it. But it's really hard to love something that doesn't love you back. And football has traditionally been a sport that didn't love women back that it was a sport that you couldn't see yourself in it, right? Mm -hmm. That if a girl did cross those lines, she was an exception, but she was never expected to be the rule. Now, as we look at it, the beauty of having women at the highest level is that it gives permission to see yourself there. It gives permission to all of the girls who are growing up now to dream football and dream football in a way that wasn't possible when I was growing up. Right. And yet we're seeing very real changes in the landscape of football, which I've been screaming at the top of my lungs for years. Females are the growth market in football. Mm -hmm. No question, no doubt. So what we're seeing now is that the NAIA is in their first varsity girls flag football season. So why is that important? It means for the first time, girls could change the 
trajectory of their life in terms of getting an education through football, right? Mm-hmm. So that's big. You can go big. to school and play football and have playing football be a part of your academic journey, right? The student-athlete part, you can be a student of this game and it has opportunity for you, maybe not yet to the extent that it does for the guys, but there is opportunity and you can be at the forefront, right? In terms of girls' high school flag football, it is a varsity sport in several states and several are in the process of adding it as a varsity sport. So we have Florida was the first, so there's Atlanta, Nevada, Alaska, D.C. proper, or sorry, not Atlanta, Georgia, duh. Um, (laughs) D.C. proper, New Jersey is adding, Arizona has something sanctioned, and parts of New York do as well. So I always say it's 50-50 for equality. We want equality for the women, so we need to get 50 states. Mm-hmm. And then in, you know, my world, we've been working on Gridiron Girls to really make sure that we're teaching young girls confidence through football and teaching them that there's no game they cannot play and no field they do not belong in or on. Because a lot of the times the, the challenges with girls in football is that because they're not socialized to the game the same way that the boys are, if they step into a co-ed situation, they're behind right? If nobody's been throwing the ball with them, if nobody's been teaching them, Mm -hmm. then they step on the field and they're behind. And like there, there's a likely, or it's likely that they will have a negative experience because they haven't been taught. Because what do we jump to if they miss something? Oh, she throws like a girl or throw, you know, (laughs) well, you don't actually throw like a girl. You either throw a football properly or you don't. Mm -hmm. And then again, you know, Patrick Mahomes throws his own style. So maybe we should get away with that and look at, hey, how can we get better? And, you know, and what does that look like? I mean, Patrick Mahomes throws the football like a baseball. So, (laughs) you know, are we saying he's wrong? No. Uh, But the truth is that you need to be, yeah, he's definitely not wrong. Um, (laughs) That you deserve to be taught. And we need to get away from assuming that deficits are because of gender and they're actually access to good coaching. Mm-hmm. That takes me into the next question right now with uh, what's been coming out with the NCAA tournament. Um, we're seeing another demonstration of inequality with sexism in sport. Can you share with our listeners some of the missions you have created or participated in? I don't know why I keep being surprised, but like, again, when this came out of like, why are we still having to fight same the same thing? And how are they think they still can get away with this stuff. So I don't know why I keep getting surprised, but at least it's getting out there and talked about. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that. Well, you know, the truth is that it's not surprising. Mm -hmm. It's not surprising for any of us who have been around it, but it is still a slap in the face, Mm -hmm. right? Because you hope that it's two steps forward and not always one step back, right? And yet these disparities, it used to be that they were, hidden or not talked about or not accessible, right? You know, if we're talking about a TV where 4% of media coverage or sports media coverage goes to women, the likelihood that these issues would be picked up and talked about is low, right? It's barely any of them making it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I did an interview on the situation with March Madness. As I said, it's 
putting the madness in March. And it's <laughs> yeah. clearly madness, right? But it's something like 0.4% of sponsorship dollars go to women in sports rel- relative to men's sports. And I think that we saw that on display with the weight room because so, it was about yeah. 0.4%, right? Like that was about what that was. And we have to do better. We have to push for better. And we can't, we don't need to suffer in silence anymore, right? I know personally that I used to go into schools and I'd be talking to kids and, you know, here I am, one of the best female players in the world. And, you know, I've got four Super Bowl rings and all this stuff. And they'd be like, oh, balling, right? You're making that Cam <laughs> Newton money. You, you got to be at like a hundred million. And I'm like, listen, kids, I'm priceless. <laughs> okay. The budget is a dollar a game, but I happen to be priceless, right? Because here I am as a woman in football, and the most I ever got paid in a women's league to play football was a dollar a game. Mm, that's so crazy. I look at, yeah. That's and crazy. I look at conversations, equal pay for equal work, equal access, all of those, and I'm like, listen, there's no place in our society that we have further to go than sports. And this is one of the most visible places where inequality is on display. And those values are what we're teaching our daughters and our mm-hmm. sons, right? How can we tell a girl she is just as important in sports as the boys, and yet she sees that weight room? Yeah. Right. Well, and I know one of the biggest arguments was that, well, there's not any viewers. Well, Back during the Olympics, I remember I'd have to have the games recorded because they would run the women's basketball at like two in the morning. Well, yeah, if you put them prime time, people are going to watch. But if you hide it and have it in the middle of the night, you're probably not going to get as much viewers. So it's been nice. This tournament, they must have responded because I think I've already got to watch like six games. Yeah. It's viewership and it's also storytelling. Mm. If we don't know any of these women, like why are we going to tune in, right? If we're not a part of their stories, women want the whys. We want, we want to champion people. So when we're only putting 4% of sports media coverage to women, we don't get that opportunity to know, I want to see her play, right? I'm not a basketball person, okay? I'm not, I'm, you know, it was not my sport. So I'm not going to turn on a men's game or a woman's game if I don't have a personal reason. And that personal reason is generally a person or a storyline that I connect to that's bigger than just what sport is it that I'm watching. That's so true. You're cheering for the underdog. You're cheering for the one that's had maybe a difficult road. And we don't know those stories, and therefore we're not going to find them and cheer for them that's such a good point that's That's, right that's funny because last night Baylor was on and there was a a young lady that apparently had taken a hit and when she came down she got like trauma to her spinal cord and was paralyzed and so when we flipped through and I was like oh there's that girl remember Maddie the underdog Mm -hmm. um that now can be playing in the NCAA tournament and you're exactly right that's immediately what I connected with and wanted to watch her and cheer for her for everything that she's overcome Mm -hmm. but I couldn't tell you anything about the other players yeah dr welter do you think that's where change how change happens is that a part of it the storytelling what other things do we need to be focused on storytelling is absolutely a part of it we've got to 
get beyond the player and allow people to resonate with the person, mm-hmm. right? Like I know for me personally, I was cheering for the, for the WNBA, the Atlanta dream, not even yeah. as much on the basketball court as I was for them to get a change in ownership, mm-hmm. right? Because their story becomes our story, right? And when we see sports move, it moves us in our own lives. Right. That's why that's why you see people, you know, dress up in face paint and lose their minds. <laughs> right. right. Like think about where else in society people get away with what they get away with in fandom. Half right? naked with but paint it, on them. Yeah, and <laughs> crazy right? people. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's you, Carol. Right? <laughs> yeah. But look, it's because we see the human spirit in action. Right. We can see the hard moments, the hard hits, the underdog, the recovery, the immaculate reception. And we see these challenges play out in real time and they resonate with us. Right. We cheer for them. We cry for them. We laugh with them. And if we don't know them, can we invest the same emotional capital in them? Mm-hmm. No. But as women, we have to realize that, like, these battles that they are playing out, right, the inequities that they're experiencing in March Madness. Now, I know we have all experienced that in some area of our life, but it may play out in silence or in a back room or in a boardroom. And yet in sports, we see it on display. So if we really want to leverage some of these needs in society, we have to see the power of sport in terms of transforming society. Mm -hmm, How can we ask girls to believe that they are equal when it is thrown in their face, that they are not equal, that they see, you know, 96% of the time sports media is covering guys when they see that, 0.4% of sports dollars goes to women in sports, right? We we can't tell her something that's going to overcome that because we're showing her everywhere it's not equal. I mean, you got me all pumped up to run out there like, let's do some change. Get some stories going. (laughs) (laughs) So I can definitely hear your, also your educational background in psychology and how you approach that. Is that what kind of drew you to it? Or have you used that in how you approach change in sport? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think studying psychology is a really good thing because it, it affects everything I look at. Right. There is a there is a layer of depth to everything I I see because it's not just what I see, it's what I don't. It's what impression it's gonna leave. It's it's how it's gonna make, you know, someone else feel. It's what are we saying without saying. And I always look at not just what's said but what's unsaid and how do we how can we instigate change? Because it's not just one thing, right? To change a culture, we have to shift many different points of intersection within culture, right? In football, okay, so I I not only became the first female 
running back in men's pro football. So they see me take the hits just like the guys, right? That, that's one question mark. Then, you know, oh, could, you know, could, would guys take coaching from a woman in, in America's game? Yep, okay, we answered that. So if guys can take coaching from a woman in football, then we can pretty much extrapolate that they can take it anywhere. And, oh, by the way, most of them have been coached by women their whole lives, just not in football. So there's no <laughs> reason to believe, right, that they can't, but you have to prove it. Then it's, okay, well, you know, half of gamers are girls, and yet there are very few female protagonists in a game, mm -hmm. which means she can't even be the hero of her own story. So then working with Madden to be like mm -hmm. the first female head coach in Madden, right? If, if society is lagging behind, right, in quote-unquote reality, right, we can't yet see a female head coach in the NFL, but we can in a video game. And guess what? The video game can actually help with the socialization. So it's not outside of the box for a boy to have a female coach right. and a girl can see herself in a game. So can we drive conversations in reality through virtual reality? Yes, we can, right? So all of these places and spaces become areas that we have to look at what messages are being said and unsaid and where, where can we help instigate change? Love it. Yeah. You are, you're just opening the box to all these things and it's amazing. And uh, thanks so much for your work on this in hopes that our girls growing up don't have to work as hard be because of the work you're doing. So thank you for that. And thank you for being on and supporting us and chatting with us today. Um, we love to, Ask our interviewees how they're living up the fit philosophy, especially balancing performance, health, intellect, and time for self during this crazy time in this crazy world and doing the work you are. So how are you balancing everything in life yourself? <laughs> I, I was on a <laughs> one and, oh my gosh, the, one of the ladies said the funniest thing. She said, Work-life balance is like Bigfoot. <laughs> we want to believe it exists. It doesn't. Sometimes we are perfectly imbalanced, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and it goes through phases of life. Now, for me, working out is always a part of it. Otherwise, I'm going to be completely not myself. Mm -hmm. But it may not be the ideal workout, right? Like, I had a ladder, I had a ladder workout on on a balcony right before jumping in the shower to get ready for this interview. Right. So it may not have been my ideal situation, but I had to get something in. Yeah. Right. Um, it's women's history month. So the demands on my time are a lot greater than normal in terms of, you know, sitting and doing things at the computer. But what I try to do is take like those breaks with my, you know, my, 15-year-old chihuahua who probably <laughs> is sick of snuggling with me, you know, and he has perma, perma, perma tongue sticking out because he's missing teeth. So he always oh. looks like he's throwing shade. It's amazing. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I can look at him and find joy, even in chaos, even in even in being super busy. And the other thing I think that's really important, especially in this time, is because there are so many 
areas of chaos that are, you know, outside of our control, it's really finding places and spaces that we can have a positive impact. For me, that was, especially with COVID, I was watching my friends, some of my friends do these epic things, right? Like one of them was globally sourcing PPE. I don't know how to do that. Okay. (laughs) Another of my friends was sewing masks. If I did that, it would do more harm than good. Again, not my skill set. But what am I good at? I'm good at breaking things down, facilitating conversations. So I worked with friends of mine to create a kids book series called Critter Fitter, using critters to get kids fitter through motion and emotion to help deal with some of these tough conversations. That was our way of helping in a world that was just thrown into chaos and also keeping me mentally sane because, you know, I was used to being on the road most days, right? Whether it was out on the field running a kid's camp or, you know, speaking to large audiences and all of that went to zero. So Mm. we have to kind of look at those places that we can use our unique talents and create some good in the world. And, And that was really how I did that. So where can you be helpful? If you feel bad about yourself, find something in the bigger picture. It might be, you know, reaching out to somebody that you haven't talked to and just telling them I love you because mm-hmm. good emotions help breed good emotions. If you feel physically stuck, get physically active. Not only does it help move your body, but it helps with the endorphins to move your mind. And then, you know, I love kids' books too because they are serious non-adulting you know, writing rhymes and, you know, coming up with cute pictures, right? And then get your snuggles where you can, um, whether it's a, a chihuahua or a young, a young minion or, you know, your significant other, wherever it is, just make sure that you are connecting physically and or mentally. Mm-hmm. Love it. I just got word of a new children's book I need to pick up for my four-year-old. It's written by BJ Novak of the... The mm-hmm. Office. Have you heard that? Uh, it's supposed to be really funny. The, the, the Critter book now. Yeah. The critter I Fitter. To check out the Critter <laughs> Fitter. Uh, yes, there's, a, there's four books out in the series. So, Yay. Nice. Pick well, Jen, we, we fill on fire, and it just makes me yes. think of that. One of my sayings I hate the most, like, this is a man's world. Well, this, this is a us world. Yeah. And we deserve a place at the table, but you're right. We have to demand that and get out there and tell stories and listen to stories and watch the sporting events mm-hmm. kind of force that, that change. So we thank you for your time. We know this is a super busy month for you, but we really appreciate it and hope you have a great rest of your, your week. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to hang out with Queen. I mean, that's what we do. Right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. All right. Bye Queens. Bye Queens. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fit queen and Hashtag fit for a queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.